Today's Tuesday, March 26, 2019, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast. The birds are flying high after a 3-1 start to open the season. Some former birds are making their presence known for their new teams. The Ravens leaders are making some strong comments in the media. And some tourney talk updates on your busted brackets. Stay tuned. Take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. On excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. Yes, yes. What's up, BSers? Party people! It's opening day. Well, I mean, two days away. Well, from man. Man. <laughs> Almost there. We are so close. So close to this, man. Woo. Cannot wait. The birds are flying high. We got an action-packed show as the birds are playing right now in Toronto in their second series of the year. Winning two to nothing up in Toronto. It looks like it's going into the bottom of the sixth right now. I'll we're, take it. We're calling this team the What If Birds, man. The Why Nots had a, had their run back in the '80s. We're calling this team the What If Birds. Use that hashtag hashtag What If Birds because <laughs> that's what they are. So we got a lot. Like I said, the birds are flying high. We got some former Orioles, some former birds that are doing well with their respective teams. Uh, with the Ravens, we got Harbaugh and and Lamar and Judon making comments. Judon, Judon making some comments. We got a lot to cover there. Uh, and obviously, it's still March Madness, man. We're getting down to the final four. How's your bracket, Fred? My bracket does not look good. I know your bracket does not look how's good. How's your bracket, Brian? Brian, how's she your bracket? Done. Yeah. <laughs> Brackets all over are busted, I know, to say the least. I know one person that has, like, Virginia. And that's, like, <laughs> that's how it is. I mean, most people nowadays have one team, and they're riding to dying with that one team as far as winning their bracket. But... Yeah, man, so we got a lot to cover, but before we get into anything, I want to remind you guys, if you're in the market to buy or sell a home, and if you want someone that's going to go to bat for you, call our guy John Scheffernacher over at Cummings Co's Realtors. John's been in the business for four years now and is dedicated to getting you the best deal possible. He's always available to take your call anytime, day or night. For you Oreo fans out there, you know him as the guy with the orange button down, the black tie, the backwards hat, and sunglasses sitting behind the dugout at Canyon Yards. Hopefully he'll be there on opening day, so be sure to look out for him. Give John a call today, 443-604-6298. He's always there when it's opening day. Him and his buddies get together. Uh, they're always going to be down there. Make sure you – I think, you know, I, I, have, I haven't talked to him, but uh, he does have a, a son that I think he's trying to introduce just yeah. as I am at some point here in the next co- coming years. So I don't know if this will be the year for him or not. Uh, but as we've said before, my wife and I used John a little about four years ago now when we bought our home. And he really took care of us during the process, Fred. He really made sure that we got the house that we wanted. We got into the, at the price we wanted and the price point with all the you know the features that we were looking for. And he did it all while he was on vacation. I, I like that goes un, unwarranted from a lot of people. When you can take care of your clients while you're on vacation, that's just going above and beyond right there. Yeah. So for me. You want to make sure that you reach out to him ASAP. Give John a call today at 443-604-6298. And you can also email him at johnsheffa 
at gmail.com. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-E-F-F-A at gmail.com. All of his information is always in the bottom left-hand corner of all of our video streams. Also on all of our social media tags or tagging the show and everything. You can find all the links and all those. So make sure you go check it out. Again, reach out to him today and don't forget to let him know. Birdland BS is the one she sent you. All right, Scott, it's about that time for some bros, bows, and o's. But before we get into that, I want to take a minute to talk a little bit about our weekend. This was a fun weekend. I'm sore. Yeah, man. <laughs> Who would have thought that uh, Wiffle Ball might whoop our ass a little bit? And it did, man. I, for, for the last two days, I've been is sore. You, is this how old you feel you know, all the time? <sighs> it's catching up to me, man. So Scott and I, uh, we got to participate with the guys over at Section 336. Uh, we did this Birdland event that they host this is the third year that they've hosted. It's called Birdland Radio. Uh, it's basically 12 hours straight of all different sorts of podcasters and bloggers, all day long Orioles coverage, everybody kind of giving their takes on everything. Got to meet a whole lot of really fun guys, interesting guys, all guys that are just as passionate about sports as we are and the Orioles as we so are. So much fun. And then just like a bunch of little kids, man, they had Mid-Atlantic Wiffle, which big shout out to these guys. They really put on a cool little product uh, for us, we got to do some. They do leagues and stuff too. Yeah, we got to do some wiffle ball, home run derby. We got to play a couple different games, you know, against each other. You know, podcast versus podcast type thing. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, it, it, we faced a guy that we nicknamed him Chris Sale because <laughs> this mofo could throw the ball, the wiffle ball, a wiffle ball. We all know what a wiffle This guy could make this ball move like crazy. He was throwing it 10 feet out behind you, and it was coming in and hitting the outside corner of the plate. I'm going to put it to you like this. We played five inning games. He, <laughs> he, pitched, pitched, he pitched the first four innings of the first game. For both teams. For both teams. He was an all-time pitcher for both teams. There were two foul balls during the entire four innings. So if that doesn't tell you and put it in perspective a little bit how untouchable this guy was, he was he was throwing pitches that were literally mowing the grass and then coming up and hitting the top of the strike zone. They had this plate behind the strike zone, so there was no question whether something was ball or strike. If it hit the plate, it was a strike. This guy was unreal with a wiffle ball. It's crazy how you can manip manipulate it to do what it it's, does. It's crazy everything that they do, but we wound up uh, wound up pulling him in, pulling in our guys, like guys that were in the podcasting, <laughs> to make it a little bit even and, yeah. and get some runs going. Because we were, as you say, we were measuring by OBP of walks. That's how we were measuring who, which team was doing better. Uh, but we had fun with it. Uh, you hit a bomb. We both hit some bombs, but I you did. were the natural. <laughs> you were the natural. You yeah. hit the you hit the lights and broke them and shattered them. <laughs> if this ball did, is this ball? I mean, mind you, the the actual fence was like eighty five feet, but for eighty five feet for a wiffle for ball, a wiffle is, ball is actually not bad. Fred hit it; it probably would have gone two hundred. <laughs> like it was a bomb, and even the guy was like, "That would have gone over the guy in the backyard. That got on his backyard fence." Like it was just crazy. Nonetheless, it was still a foul ball. I did hit a grand slam, which was you pretty did. good. That, you did. that made me feel good. My home runs counted. My home runs were big. Mine didn't. You you hit some bombs <laughs> yourself. Uh, you did a little bit better in the the uh, home run derby round than I did. So. Uh, Kudos to you. One, you I underestimated you. I did. <laughs> I, I hit like the first I, one, and it was like the deepest shot so far. And he was like, wow, I, I didn't I took expect you that. For, I took you at like just visual view. I said, nah, this guy's not going to hit anything out, man. He was 
one after the other after the other solid contact so kudos to you man but again big shout out to the guys at section 336 josh yeah. um josh matt, matt bert. and bert man had a lot of fun with those guys and everybody else that we got to meet down there uh so make sure you check out all their shows as well section 336 online and you can check Facebook. out on twitter at berlin radio you can watch the replay it was literally yeah. an all-day ordeal with all of all of these different podcasters going all day long 12 hours straight and we got to meet some great people, like you said. Uh, great podcast. Go check everybody out. Go go watch that. Go check everybody out and what they were doing. It was, it was just a great time. All right, man. So let's talk a little bit Orioles, man. We got some exciting things to talk about. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? We are now who four thought, games. Who would have thought we would have swept the Yankees in the opening series? Well, we didn't sweep them. We didn't sweep them. Well, Two to one. We didn't sweep it. We lost the first game. But here we, we are. Won the series. Four games in. We're three and one. We win the series not only against the Yankees, but in New York. In New York, in the opening series, with this hodgepodge of players that we've got put together. It's, man. The, what if, it's the what if misfits. It is. It's the what <laughs> if misfits, man. It, look, it, not everything was pretty. There are a lot of things that, you know, we can kind of talk about, and we're going to get into that. You know, there's obviously things that we were kind of worried about going into this year that kind of showed their ugly head a little bit, but. There's a lot to be said that this team's playing with some serious confidence right now. And look, I was talking to Brian before before we went live with the show. Confidence can carry you. It can either it can. really, really help you, or if you don't have the confidence, it can really, really hurt you. And we saw that last year when the team just couldn't get out of that hole. And I think it's something to say that these guys are like if, to say that they don't know that they are the Vegas odds against them for winning the World Series were two thousand to one, meaning you make a hundred dollar bet and you're walking away with two hundred grand. Right. Uh, yeah, Brian, you should have you should have made that bet. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Ryan so, Shamble says on pace for 121 and a half wins. I'll like I'll it. take it, man. I'll take it. Uh, that's a little different than what our early season predictions were. But it's way different. But look, let's <clears throat> let's look at let's look at face value, especially in the opening game. Cashner a little bit of rough first outing. Yeah, run homer in what the first inning. There. The the pitching staff looked rough. I mean, Cashner gave up eight walks. He gave up the big three run home run in the first inning. Came out, you know, it could have been a little bit of jitters. Obviously, he wasn't slotted to be the opening day starter uh, when they started talking about that. You know, early on in yeah. spring, I'm not using that as an excuse or anything. He he just he couldn't find the strike zone. No, eight he, walks. You know, it's it's never going to get the job done. Uh, but so far. He's pitched very well in this Toronto game, so it looks like he's having a bounce-back game today. But the pitching staffs, that's that's the big thing. When you know offensively your team is kind of handicapped from being able to put up a whole lot of runs, you're not going to get a ton of run support, the last thing that you want to do is be putting runners on base easily. But you know what? After the first game and really the second game as well, and to be honest, all the games so far, defense – the fundamentals are coming into play here. We're yeah. seeing a lot of fundamentals out of these guys working well. You know, in that opening game, Joey Rickard with a nice diving catch. Yeah. Perfectly timed. Everybody, I mean, even the announcers, even Gary Thorne was like, it's going to fall in. Uh, nope, it didn't fall in. You know, it wound up being caught by Joey Rickard. Saves a you know potential run there. If he misses it, it's, it's probably a double or maybe even a triple, depending on how far, how far back it gets to the wall. So great, great play there. Right. Um. The guy that you've been high on, Richie Martin, man. Yeah, man. I mean, this guy hasn't done a whole lot from the plate yet, but, you know, that will kind of come in time. But the one thing that I've been really high on this kid and the one thing that all the scouting reports told you was 
how good this kid is defensively and the kind of range that he had. I mean, he turned a couple of really nice double plays, very clean in the first game against the Yankees, even in the loss. Uh, but since then, even last night, you know, he had a play where the ball ricocheted off of Richard Blyer's leg, and he was going towards the middle, had to stop, come back to get the ball, and still with a rocket of an arm, I know we're kind of spoiled with what we've seen from Manny right. Machado and the arm that he has, but this kid has got a hose over there at shortstop and was able to get the out at first even after hitting the uh, Richard Blyer's yeah, leg. Yeah, a solid arm out of this kid. It's something that we love to see uh, out of any infielder, and it's, it comes down to fundamentals. That's why you know why I love J.J. Hardy so much. Yeah. It was because he was such a fundamentals guy because when, you're, when your fundamentals are there, your mechanics are there, it just it'll come. You don't need necessarily all the power, just the fundamentals and mechanics, how you're setting your feet, how you're, you know, prepping your throw, all that stuff. And you know it another thing that I that I've noticed about this kid and that I really like so far about this kid is he seems to be a sponge. Every time they show this kid in the dugout. Oh yeah, he's like he he is somebody is just not in his ear in a bad way, but no, like but talking to talking him. To him and you can him see he's just taking it all in. Like you yeah. some players get that kind of you know, I got here for a reason attitude, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. And you can see that they're kind of, it's in one ear and out the other. This kid looks like he's taking everything, whether it's players, whether it's, be, you know, coaches, whoever it may be that's in his ear, taking it for face value and really using it to his benefit. Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement with that. I love that that fact. Uh, one guy that maybe doesn't, uh, yeah. Um, take do well we to, to advice do we, or do we take to well to this? anything. Three at bats, three Ks. Yeah. I mean, on pace for what? Uh, what as of that? As of opening day, he was on pace for like four hundred some strikeouts. Yeah, Chris Davis yet again uh, shows that he is still Chris Davis and not with a K. Uh, still, well, a whole lot of Ks, <laughs> but his name is just a start with a K. But uh, here's here's one thing I like, and that's the adjustments that we saw on Saturday out of Brandon Hyde. Yeah, because guess what? Guess who wasn't in the lineup on Saturday? Exactly. Yeah. And One you know, guy that we were fine with not being in the lineup. There was another guy that wasn't. Well, you know, so the guy that we, I was real high on and still am high on. I still have good expectations for this kid, Cedric Mullins. He struggled in the first, you know, first game on opening day. Yeah. Um, doesn't tend to hit lefties very well. So second game, they come out. Mullins doesn't play. Davis doesn't play. Mullins, he's a curious case for me. Like he's, he's a switch hitter, right? But he's terrible against lefties. Why are you switching to them? Why, yeah, why are you sticking with that? I've never understood that. Just because you have the ability to swing the bat and not look like an idiot from both sides of the plates. Because I'll be honest with you. If I went to the left side of the <laughs> batter's box, I would look like a complete idiot trying to swing the bat. Come on! You just, look like Griffey! Just here, yeah, no. <laughs> not hardly. But just because this guy can do that, I've never understood that with switch hitters. If you're that much better... From one side of the plate, just give it up. Maybe yeah. it worked for you through high school, the lower levels, you know, that kind of thing where you're seeing a lot of fastballs and a lot of predictable type stuff, and that maybe that worked. But you're at the major leagues. And if it's not working for you, go to the side of the plate that does. Yeah. I mean, it's the the changes and the adjustments that that you have to make are what high Brandon Hyde is really kind of doing. You know, we see him also turn around and make the adjustment of going way earlier than either of us thought he was going to go to this opener role. And Carnes impresses. Two solid innings in the opener role. It seems to have worked. 
They the, the bullpen, you know, you have, I think they had three other pitchers throughout the rest of the game, yeah. so I want to be in a total of four. But they get the 5-3 to three win, and Hyde gets his first managerial win. Yeah, man. Did you see what they did after the game? With that, was, that was I, all the credit in the world. It was awesome. I that loved it. That was awesome. I, you know, we, we talked about how the pie was a big thing with Adam Jones. This is going to be the thing. It's already it starting to look that way. It seems to be, you know. So if you didn't see it yet, you got to go Google it or go on uh, Twitter and find it. After the first win of the year for Brandon Hyde, they threw this guy in a laundry cart. It looked like a shopping cart, but it was a laundry cart. Yeah, it's what the, the guys throw their uniforms in when they're done and, with the game. And he took it like a freaking champ. The entire team comes out and just popping bottles, popping beer, and just loaded him up with all kinds of stuff. I think they even threw in some like baby powder on him yeah, and all well, kinds and of stuff. And then they, they turn around uh, yesterday after Means gets his first win, <laughs> and uh, it was Tim Cousins' birthday. Right. So they sang happy birthday, and then afterwards they were dousing the two of them with baby powder and beer. <laughs> like It was just awesome. I'm fine with it, man. Don't let Mark Trumbo come spoil the fun now. Keep his ass down in Sarasota. <laughs> let him stay down there and, and just keep his negative yeah, attitude I mean, there. for those of you that don't know, the, the word on the street, it's never been confirmed, is that, that Trumbo was the guy that stopped the pies. Right. Because he was tired of it. He didn't want anything, any part of it. But you know what? I, I mean, I think that's to your point. Dude, this is a fun team. They're having fun. When you're having fun, you enjoy doing it. You're looser. Right. That's what happens. That's what Joe Madden, that's why I love Brandon Hyde and this this move that we're seeing because he's bringing what we heard all spring training. Now you're seeing it in the regular season. These guys are loose. They're having fun. I didn't get to see. I haven't seen anything. If they did anything special for the road trip, like the dress, that's what Joe Madden used to do. They used right. to dress up in like a theme dress up. Right. I didn't see anything yet. Maybe they're waiting till they come home. Then the first one that they go out, you know, on after being home, maybe they do it. I'm really curious because Hyde said that they were all about kind of doing that. He was going to get with the veterans, get with the rooks, see what what works. Um, but I, I I love this. I love what they're doing with this. I think it's great. Um, you know, by the way, the guy, the guy that goes unmentioned in this game, in my opinion, Jesus Sucre. Yeah. Not only a great defensive game, did have some people are calling it a pass ball. I'm sorry when the ball's in the dirt, it's on the pitcher. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a wild <clears> pitch <throat> at that point. But Sucre goes three for four with three RBIs in this game. Mind you, they won five to three. Right. So he puts up three of the five runs. Yeah, that's a huge game. Again, from a bat that's really not expected to do too much contribution. Like I said, we're, we're more looking at Sucre as – a defensive leader as a guy that can that can keep guys honest on the base paths. And the thing that I really like that I've seen so far out of Sucre is he's not afraid to get in his pitcher's ears. Like if, if he feels like his pitcher isn't hitting the strike zone where he needs it, he's vocal. I like that about this yeah. guy. He's a fiery guy. He's got a good personality. You um, see him. You see him like after a strikeout. He's jumping. that's what I'm talking but, about. He's just I'm real watching, fire. Not just when he's fired like that. The way he like throws the ball down to first base. He's like, you can't like strike out, and he throws it to right. first. Not even addressing the pitcher because then he comes back and he addresses the pitcher with that excitement. It's just <laughs> it, like you said. It's the fire, the fieriness of him. Right. But it's even in the little stuff that he's doing. How he's framing the pitches, especially those those ones that he knows this is gonna be strike three. Bam! And he, he gets this little snap, like this little cockiness to him, right. which is awesome. So talking about, we talked about uh, Andrew Kashner. Obviously, he had a little his struggles in the first game. Dylan Bundy, a guy that, you know, we didn't really know what to expect from him. He hadn't looked very good in spring. He kind of has a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of game where he strikes out a bunch. I think he struck out like eight 
in what three innings or four innings of work something along those lines yeah Yeah, but i mean he ended up again throwing a whole lot of pitches uh walking a bunch of guys so it's it's that you know yes he showed some positive signs in that game but couldn't get through five couldn't get through six and that's a problem i mean still we talk about it the life of his fastball i mean he was barely hitting 89 in that game 90 at times right so it just goes to show you something's up with with him whether it's mechanics whether it's medical, something's up. You don't drop basically the equivalent of, I mean, in his prime, he could hit 100. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Easy. When he came out of high school, he high was, school at 18 years old, he was throwing 99 to 100, topping out, but he still consistently he could in hit the it. high 90s, 96, 97. And now he's not. So it just goes to show that something something's not right there. Something's up. You know, they've got to get it figured out and see what, what really is going on. But on the flip side of that, so we move on. We, we, we take the Yankees series two games to one. Last night, we opened up the series in Toronto, in the Sky Dome, right? Is it still the Sky Dome, or what's it called? I don't now? know what the hell they call it anymore. I show my age. <laughs> <laughs> or it's the Rogers Center now. The Rogers Center, the yes. The Rogers yes, Center you're now. correct. David Hess, a guy that, you know, we figured to be a number four, number five pitcher on this rotation, goes out and throws an absolute gem in this game. The big question mark is the six and a third, and we're going to get into that here in a second. <laughs> So he throws six and a third of no-hit baseball, only gave up one walk, had eight Ks. This guy, again, consistently hitting in that 94, 95 range. He was amped up for this game. He was ready for this. He was excited. This guy usually throws in the low 90s. He's typically a 91 to 93 kind of guy. This guy was sitting at 94 to 96 consistently the entire night. So you can tell he was a little amped up. The big question that was kind of going around social media last night and I want to get your take, because you and I haven't had a chance to actually talk about this off the air. I want to see what no. your take is on this. Manager Brandon Hyde comes out and pulls him during the middle of a no-hitter, six and a third into a game after only 82 pitches. Right call or wrong call? Tough call. Oh, absolutely. Now, that's not a debate. That's not a debate. <laughs> Tough call, yes. Right call or wrong call? I'm gonna go against what uh, Brian's what I what I was kind of talking about with Brian when you were when you weren't around. Um, right call, agreed. Would I have like would I have actually right call but wrong call? I'm gonna go both on this. I think you let him finish out the inning or until he not until either he gets another another guy gets on base or he finishes the inning. He was six and a third, 82 pitches. Now, he had thrown 40 pitches on opening day. That's the problem. And that's where Brandon Hyde, we both saw that interview. I know we kind of, we didn't talk about it, but we mentioned it to each other. We saw that interview, and there was a back and forth. Uh, somebody did a really great job. You pointed out of uh, they put the two interviews between him and Hess together. Both, Hess had all the respect. As, as, as he was like, you could tell he was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> like, what the hell? Get off the field yeah. and... Hyde, like when you watch the video, Hyde's face. When you can tell out, just in the way he's walking out, like, yeah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> what's up, man? What's up? Uh, let's uh, let's have a little talk here. Yeah. But yeah, he like even Hyde's when he got out there, Hess, his face was like smiling, like all right, like nice joke, get the fuck out of here, right, right. And it, after that, you saw him be like, really, yeah. 
Like you watched him mouth the word really. All right. So it's confidence, but at the same time, I get Brandon Hyde. He's looking for longevity, and he said that in his interview. So I get it. I just right call to take him out. Maybe I would have let him. Maybe let he just walked a guy. Another guy gets on, or he finishes the inning. That's where I would have gone. Here, here's my take on it. I 100%, 100% agree with you, and I 100% agree with the notion that it was the right call. I get the novelty behind the no-hitter. I 100% understand the thought process of how often is he going to be in a position to, to, do that. to do that and you know how can you pull somebody when he's rolling along like that. But just take a look at the, the, the entire picture here, right? He was already at 82 pitches when he was pulled after six and a third. There was no way he was getting through a full nine innings of this game regardless of how many pitches he had pitched before. He would have been in the high 100, like 115 to 125 pitch range if he was going a full nine innings. There was no way he was getting through this entire game regardless. No. But even forget that for a second. Even if he were to throw lights out for the next couple innings and somehow manage to keep his pitch count below 110, like you said, he had pitched 42 pitches three days earlier. On three days rest, he had just pitched 42 pitches. It's literally the beginning of the season. There was no yeah. playoff ramifications with this. There was nothing big on the line here other than the novelty of the no-hitter. The, 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 so you got to look at a couple of things. This staff is starving for starting pitching. And this kid just came out and threw the best start of the year. Maybe this kid is really coming into his own and going to solidify a spot in this rotation. Maybe he could be this bright spot in the starting rotation. We don't know. Yeah. He showed some promise. There's life so there. So why risk? Why risk for the novelty of a no-hitter? Why risk this guy doing any kind of damage to his arm by overworking him this early in the year? when he really didn't have a ton of time to get stretched out in, in, in spring training. I just don't think it's worth it. The only the only reason that I say the wrong call thing with letting him go till another guy gets on or the seventh inning is that is a confidence thing. That's I agree. My, that's I agree my with only that. issue. I agree with that. I think I thought it was stupid to let him come out. I think if he was really on a pitch count of sorts, which obviously he, he was, was. Why did you even let him come out and pitch a third of an inning? Why didn't you just take him out at the end of the sixth inning and then bring in a reliever for right. the entire seventh inning? That didn't make sense. Yeah. Unless Brandon Hyde just like lost track of the pitch count and was like, oh, shit. Uh, I, think, I think some of it was pitch count. I think the fact that it was the walk there, I think that, that, that played a factor into it. Maybe right. it was, you know, to, to Brian's point, Brian was talking about it earlier of you know him potentially losing control. Brian, you were kind of mentioning that you saw a little bit of control loss there. Yeah, he was starting to lose control. <clears throat> I think it was the sixth inning where he hit a line drive. I mean, that the exit velocity on that ball, I think it was right to shortstop for Toronto. To, or, or, to uh, Richie Martin. To Richie Martin. It must have been about... <laughs> Jesus. You see the comments <laughs> up there, right? Uh, I, I got to point out, Garnett478, yeah. I like you, my friend. <laughs> Fred is mostly right He's, all the time. I like uh, that. Ooh, Gotta love Scott, though. You're mostly we'll, right. We'll, we'll put that on a T-shirt for you, man. That's right. But, Fred is mostly right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right across my chest. But, no, like it, it definitely uh, looked like that Hess was starting to lose velocity in the sixth inning. I mean, he hit – I mean, I can't remember uh, who hit the line drive, but, I mean, that exit velocity on that ball that that guy crushed. Yeah. 
and it was good defense by the Orioles. I think it was the Richie, short, Martin, Richie yeah. Martin who called it. I mean, without an amazing catch, I mean that that could have that might have uh, pulled him early. But I honestly think that he was starting to lose it. I understand it's a no hitter. We want to see them go, but you're trying to save his arm at the same time. And I, I also think that Brandon Hyde was looking at. I'm going to send him back out because maybe my bullpen is already starting to be taxed. Maybe right. I can send Hess out there, eat a little more innings, and it'll save the bullpen. Well, let's rest. get into that, Brian. Oh, let's <laughs> get into that. Was that a segue? Because <laughs> because this game, when he went out, it was six to nothing. Oh, yeah. boy. And by the end of Look the game, I started. it was six to five. Yeah. Who gave up that five runs, Brian? Who gave it up? I don't want to say. Okay. I'll, I'll let you go with it. <laughs> no, the bull, look, bullpen, bullpen gives it, it up. Yes. Gives it up. Uh, Blyer kind of gets the K with the, the, the tying run on third. He saved the day, so saved to speak. The, well, yeah, well, he gave up a bunch of runs there in the last That's inning why to make it so close. To speak, he, it, it was but he was able to the close place. the door with the tying run there on third in a high-pressure situation. He was able to close the door, but it got, uh, got a little too familiar there and then we I've, i feel like i don't know if it's a toronto thing <laughs> yeah i is. swear every time we play toronto it comes down to that situation where we're like in the ninth inning hanging on by like a thread and then we lose it this game we were actually able to hold on to it and, yeah. and, and get the win especially when it's in toronto right exactly uh mancini we have to mention hot too mancini is tearing the cover off the ball this guy <laughs> I think he was before the night started. He was real close. He was hovering right around a 500 average, had a pair of home runs. This is the kind of next step that we were hoping for out of Trey Mancini yeah. to be that veteran leader on this team. So far, it's been good. Uh, again, you kind of see some of the younger players flocking to him, which I like that, that he's kind of taken a hold of that leadership responsibility and, and kind of run with it. That speaks to Trey Mancini and the person that he is. But let's not forget, he's only been here a couple years. No, it it shows you what he can do. And the the longevity that we're seeing. You know, we mentioned about Hyde with, you know, some of these adjustments. You know, I, I want to take a second to, to have a discussion on this. You know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but. What's up, Tony Pitts? We see. And we, I, did you see Steve Steve's uh, comment? He says, "Say hey, fire, fire Colin Coward, fire Jason Wislaw, ESPN, hire Fred and Scott." I, I love, love it. it. Stephen L. Jackson, what's up, Steve? Let's go, man. Uh, but no, so his adjustments that he makes. We talked about the Davis and Mullins not being in the lineup. Um, Drew Jackson gets the start and center on Saturday. Yeah, I like it, giving everybody kind of an opportunity, seeing what the best fit is, kind of like what we talked about. He did pretty good out there, too. He didn't do bad at all. I yeah. think he, he tracked the ball really well on the few times that it was out there. Got a decent arm. The, the bat, you know, still needs some work, but that's we expect that. We expect that out of a Rule 5 guy. Um, Trey gets the start at first with Nunez at DH. Yeah. Nunez, I think, is going to be the long-term DH on this team. We talked about it. Ruiz is the better defender. We see him playing third base a lot. And Nunez, he had a big, was a three-run home run there in New York. So, I mean, he's he's doing pretty well with the bat. I think I saw somebody earlier asking, you know, about Davis and how long he stays with this team. Look, we've talked about this. We talked about, we talked this, about this on this Sunday on Berlin Radio. Yeah. I, are, we have a short leash for him, but the, the truth is, Elias and Hyde are the ones to make that decision, along with uh, the Angelos brothers, um, John and Lou. They're the ones that got to make that decision because right. if you're going to cut ties, that's a lot of money you're walking, you're you're putting out to not get any product uh, on the field. Um, but again, pulling Hess, 
not afraid. He's not shying away from these situations early in the season. Brandon Hyde. You know what's funny? What I what I'm finding, and it, maybe it's just me, but like every move that happens that you're like, hmm, I wonder why that move. The the first thing I start thinking is, I wonder if analytics had anything to do with that. <laughs> I wonder if this is the what new, the numbers say? the new theme. What did the numbers tell him? That's like that's where my go to is right now. So with all the changes and all the adjustments, we talked about the the, the videos of these guys moving around. Yeah. What does that tell you about Hyde, the staff, this team, where they're at mentally and, and just where they're at as a unit? He's changing the culture. He's changing what was a, a very doom and gloom culture in that clubhouse that you know reports are at, from a lot of players that have left over the years. A lot of people weren't happy. A lot of people, you know, felt like they were walking on eggshells with yeah. anything and everything that they did in that in that clubhouse. And Hyde's just trying to make them relax. Try, you know, it's it's pressure enough being at the major league level for the first time for a lot of these guys. You know, a couple of these guys again are Rule Five picks. Didn't think that they'd even have a shot at being at the major league level this early in the right. year. So you got to do something to kind of take the edge off. You got to do something to, but. At the same time, when you're doing that, you can't have it be counterproductive for the team. So they lost Thursday. They win Sunday. Do you think he walked in on, or I'm sorry, they won Saturday. Do you think he walked in on Sunday and said this? We won a game yesterday. If we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, But with that said... Funny you play that clip. The Orioles have already had a three-game winning streak where the first week into the season, they had three three-game winning streaks last year. Three for an entire 162-game stretch. Mind you, that was with a roster with Manny Machado, Adam Jones, <laughs> a lot more Jonathan Scope, a lot more bigger names. They had three three-game winning streaks last year. Yeah. I mean, but that just goes to show that he's already starting to make those changes. It, yeah. He needs to sustain it. The Orioles need to sustain it. Uh, look, I'm not by any means turn around going, this is a World Series team. Let's go. <laughs> no. Uh, but bring in, reel in the expectations wait, 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 a little wait. bit, I but mean, just are, enjoy wait. it. Have fun with it. Fred's, Fred's going, win the whole fucking thing. That's right. <laughs> win it all, damn it. Win it all. But here's here's you know one of the one of the I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but the one thing that concerns me about this team, even through all this, the one thing that really concerns me, we talked about the starting pitching issues, pitching as a whole, the bullpen, right? What we've seen so far is we've seen this kind of closer by committee role. We haven't seen a consistent pitcher in the closing role. We've seen Mike Wright come in to close. Right. We saw Givens used on Sunday. Blyer was used last night in Toronto. How, like, do you think that this can work using a bullpen or a closer by committee type format? Or do you believe that they need to have the guy, the go-to guy, the wild thing. <laughs> that guy. Uh, look, I like it for now. You're giving everybody a shot. And it just goes with the theme of what we're seeing with Brandon Hyde. Put everybody in the role. Like, you and I, we talked about it. When Mike Wright came in to close that game, I went, huh? Yeah. You weren't the only one going, huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> I was doing the same damn thing. <laughs> yeah, this was this was you. He wants the writing, <laughs> the vile thing, the grab your throat and choke thing. Stick it up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Mike Wright said to you. Uh, That's exactly hey, what he said to you. Hey, hey, Mike Wright's your boy. Don't forget that, man. <laughs> Jesus. We go way back. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I, I know of an experiment. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, but it, look. They're they're willing to do this. They're willing to to kind of see what these what role these guys fit in. It may not be the role that they've been in before. Only time's going to tell. And I I think there's some guys on this team I'm, that can carry. Other I'm guys excited, on this man. The I Orioles have. are three and one. Things are looking good. Top of the eighth. Orioles are winning two to nothing. Let's roll with this, man. Just enjoy it while it lasts. All right, Scott. It's time for the liquor stop brew of the week. This brew of the week, you were excited because of the look of this beer. I was, man. First, when I first saw this can, I was like, that's got to be this week's beer of the week. If that's not it, it's it's not the right beer <laughs> no. for this week. Uh, Jerry over at Liquor Stop hooked us up this week uh, with, this is from Duclaw Brewing Company. Everybody from Baltimore knows who Duclaw is. It is not bad as far as a brewing company out of Baltimore. For me, this is the Goes O's. Goes ale. Now, is it for, goes or is it goose or is it goes? I was like a goose. Goes? Is it, I've, I've always heard it say goes. I've heard it pronounced okay. different ways. I just, I go with goes. <laughs> we, we Marylanders talk weird. G-O-S-E. Yeah, G-O-S-E. <laughs> Google uh, it. But no, it's, so th- with this one, this is a little bit different. A, a, most of these tend to be a little bit along the lines of a sour beer. Mo- if you know what a sour beer is, you know, uh, you know very how they can sour. be. They can be very sour. It, it's it takes, sour patch kids sour. It, it, it's it is. It has that and that saltiness that you get with you know a, a sour patch kid. You kind of get that with this beer. Um, this is actually brewed with cantaloupe and black lava sea salt. Uh, when they when they kind of introduce this, it was something they it's kind of the sweet and salty type mix it is yeah. it's not for everybody i'll say that it is not for everybody but it, it has a good choice of some orange and black ingredients no coincidence here with the <laughs> cantaloupe and the black lava sea salt sea salt um where it comes from where the colors are all summer step up to the plate and swig away so that's what i'm gonna do Right on in. Swig away. Swig away, baby. Take it to the dome. Make sure you guys stop by the liquor stop up at Conowingo Road. See our guy Jerry and their staff there and tell them Birdland BS sent you so you get your 10% off. All right, Scott, let's stick with the MLB because there's been a lot of news kind of going around. We're, we're going to just dive into some of these quick hit bit type of yeah, topics. Quick, hit, quick hits. Yeah. So, see what I did there? <laughs> I do. <laughs> So a couple of Orioles, a couple of former birds that are doing pretty well in their own respective places. They're doing pretty damn good. Pretty darn good. A guy that uh, we thought Arizona got a steal of a deal, not only in his contract, at one year, $3 million deal. $3 million deal. When you start looking at these contracts that are being thrown around right now, Ronald Acuna just ext- extended for, I think, eight years and $100 million today. Something like that, yeah. Adam Jones... Former bird, multi-time, you know, multi-all-star, guy that still can be a 270 to 290 type hitter, can hit 20 to 25 bombs a year, off to a strong start out in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, three bombs so far this year, that's exactly what you expect him to do. And it's exactly what we we kind of, I don't want to say we expected the bombs, but... 
you know, the National League just doesn't know how to go to throw it as good. Did you see the one? Did you see the one he hit in San Diego the other night? I did not. He get, he hit one in San Diego. Obviously, he's from San Diego, right. so playing in front of his home crowd for the first time. Uh, I think other than maybe the All Star game, I think he was in that All Star game when it was in. San I Diego. think he was. I think I remember that. But he hit one, and as he's like trotting around second, and he gives Manny a look there at third <laughs> base. It was it was a pretty cool moment. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, another guy. Former Oriole last year, Tim Beckham right there with him. Three home runs and eight RBIs. I he actually, think, it up I actually think he's at 10 RBIs now. This was uh, this was an update, I think. Is, yeah, so as of today, I believe he's sitting at like 10 RBIs. Tim Beckham is very streaky. We saw that, obviously, when we first acquired him from, yeah. the, from the Rays. He came up, and I mean, he was, he was lighting hot. the world on fire. Was, well, he was hitting like 400 for... A two-month stretch, I yeah. believe. Uh, so he's a very streaky hitter. The, you know, the, the downside with Tim Beckham was obvious: his defense. His defense was super inconsistent and just way too many errors at the shortstop position. You can't have that. No, you can't. It's it's not something that you can you can afford. But he's making it work in Seattle, man. He is, and a guy that I've always been a big fan of since he was in Miami with the Marlins. He's kind of got that like. Nick Markakis build, you know, he's got that same kind of mold. Christian Yelich in Milwaukee. He won the MVP. Yeah, National League MVP he last year. He won the MVP last year. Talk about tearing the cover off the baseball. Picked up where he left off. <laughs> he tied the MLB record for most consecutive games to start a season with a home run. Four games in a row to start the year off. Four home runs. He joins a list of only six names. Now, wait till you hear this list of only six players that have ever done it. Mark McGuire, pretty respectable name, pretty well, well-known. Well, hang, well. On, hang on, hang on. Where are you yeah, going I guess, with that one, <laughs> I guess it depends That's on how you kind of define the term respectable. Are, are you talking about the Oakland A's days or you know the St. Louis days? Where are we going yeah, with that one? Right. Mark McGuire. Uh, where am I at? Willie Mays. Okay, that's okay, a respectable okay. name. That's Willie a very Mays. respectable name. Trevor Story, which he's the guy out in uh, Colorado, yeah. the shortstop. He started off was started last off year or the year before. I mean, like on a ridiculous run. Former Oriole Nelson Cruz. Wow. Okay. And then none other than wait, no, no, say it, say it, Chris Davis. Are you serious? <laughs> the Chris Davis. The rest of that list is great. How's he doing? What the <laughs> hell happened to Chris Davis? Oh my god! I'm not going to get into it. We've we, we are literally beating a dead horse so much that I can't even recognize the horse anymore. I know it's a horse. Yeah, no, it, I, I don't know what even know what you're beating anymore. <laughs> exactly. I don't even want to know what you're beating anymore. Uh, on. But that's a pretty impressive list. All right, Scott. Actually, Brian. It's time IT for- Blake, it is time for the social media shout out over there. You got uh, any good comments, questions, anybody chiming in? I actually got a good comment. Okay. And, and this started out right at the beginning. And this happens to deal with something we just finished talking about, Chris right. Davis. <laughs> so our, our, our boy, um, only Craig 66, he says, when do you think the Orioles will discard Chris Davis? We've talked about this a few different times. I, I, I honestly, we're pretty much on the same page. I think, uh, our leash is end. a month, maybe the end, the two. end of this month. Yeah, a month, maybe two at most. And even that's a stretch. Honestly, if I had my way, he'd have been gone already. But 
I think with just the new regime kind of coming in and saying, all right, let's do what we can with him. Let's see if he's willing to adjust and if he's willing to make the necessary changes. And if he's not and it doesn't show any improvement, like I said last week, Hyde and Elias are both looking at this as, I don't care. It's not my mistake. It's not my problem. It's not on me. I didn't sign this guy. Cut bait. And I think that's a month or two at most. Yeah. What else we got? I agree with that one. So another one is we're... So it's kind of related to the whole Orioles and, and what's going on with them there right now. Ryan, Ryan Shamar brought up a good point about the Orioles. He thinks that we're giving up too. He says we are giving up way too many runs, but we are keeping it with it with the offensive. Do you think that the Orioles offense can stay with what's going on right now? Or do you think we're going to, you know, come back down to reality and go, OK, the Orioles are going to score one or two I, runs a game because it's, they're putting up good runs right now. I mean, they're yeah, I mean, that's right there. That's a really valid point, Ryan, as much as I want to say you play ball like a girl. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, Had to go. Uh, look, there, didn't you? <laughs> Ryan always gives me crap, so I'm giving it back. Uh, I'm prepared this week. Let's go. Um, But no, look, I think it's a great actual point in this because you can't sustain this pitching staff to to and expect this pitching staff. We never expected these guys to be given up less than, you know, three or four runs a game. I I mean, I, I never did. I don't know about you, but I also never expected this offense to be putting up the numbers they can. I think that's still a question mark. I I look everything that we're seeing, I'm loving it. If they can sustain this for a month, month and a half, two months, I think they got a shot of of showing people that they can keep up with this. But if you're going to do that, you have to you have to do something with pitching. I just I don't think it's going to happen. I think this is going to be an early, you know, a, the first losing streak they go on is going to be real deflating for this team. And Bryce brings up a really good point into this. No pressure on them. If they have a winning record, the all-star break pressure will then continue to grow. And I completely agree with that right now. They don't have pressure. And I think that's the kind of atmosphere that Brandon Hyde is again, trying to create in there is trying to get these guys to relax as much as possible. But I still go with my prediction, even with the fact that we're sitting at three and one, that we might even be four and one by the end of this show is right now they're leading two to nothing in the bottom of the eighth. Don't you jinx it, Fred. I'm just saying they might. (laughs) My thing is, I still think that this team comes back down to earth just because at some point, at some point, the talent level will catch up to them and this team will be around a 60 win if i'm being honest i hope not but i think we both are realistic we're 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 both realistic baseball fans we understand what's happening what's going on it's an anomaly right now as far as i'm concerned because it's only four games in we'll take one more anymore so sherry reedy she she really hurt my feelings with with this comment she says god i can't wait till football season (laughs) really already Uh, come on that that hurts look football i mean (laughs) you and i are both diehard baseball fans and we love baseball but you know i'm a football guy at heart too yeah we're look we love our teams we're passionate about our teams and football is much different than baseball like football just it never dies football you have 16 games well, you have 16 games, but I'm even talking after the season. Like the the NFL does such a good job. Oh, they make it an all year market, production at marketing mm-hmm. everything else that goes on around it. No other sport has the kind of excitement or anticipation for a draft than the NFL. The NFL draft is an is is a whole event in itself. I mean, 
the one the first round is what a three hour project or four yeah. hour project <laughs> just for round we went one live on that yeah exactly <laughs> which is so what, we, we're gonna do that away. again this year yeah. so Jeez. uh yeah i mean i i'm a big football fan as well i'm with you share i love football all right man Nice transition by Brian and Sherry here. That's I right. Try. I try very hard. Time for some Ravens flock talk. <laughs> Not a whole lot going on, but I know you were kind of uh, interesting comments interested this in some week. comments that Harbaugh had made. Harbaugh this week was I, I he was kind of doing like a table interview. I forget where it yeah. was. Like he was sitting at a table and talking talking to some uh, reporters. His comments basically are surrounding the wide receivers and, and looking and going at it. He says, we have not received phone calls from some guys. That's okay. I don't want to hear from those guys. We want rough guys. We want tough guys. Like, if I'm the Ravens, I'm actually, and I'm I'm maybe, I'm, you're, I'm really curious to hear your, your opinion on this. I'm a little pissed off at him for that comment. Because that's calling out guys that, Maybe maybe were on the cusp of calling. They were seeing to look to see what the Ravens did in the, the draft room, what they wound up doing. Did they get some pieces? And then they could go, you know what? They're one piece short, and I think I'm that one piece. Now you're saying, if you haven't called us, you're not rough enough. You're not tough enough. It's very un-John Harbaugh-like. Typically, in the past, if he were asked a question like this or approached a question... He would spin it in a way that he would say, "Oh, it gives the politically correct like skirting it around an answer." Exactly, and he would give the answer like, "You know, we got four guys on this roster that we 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 put a lot of investment into, and we're happy with, and we can see, you know, the guys that are going to get some potential opportunities they didn't get last year. That you know, we believe in these guys." He wouldn't even venture down that conversation of we've called guys, and you know, guys don't want to come here, and da da da. Very un John Harbaugh like. But at the end of the day, this isn't anything surprising. I mean, we all know not very many free agent wide receivers are going to want to play in this offense just because there's not going to be a whole lot of balls out there to catch. But what does that tell the league when your your head coach basically openly says, if you're not willing to block, we don't want you? Like, I mean, doesn't that send uh, a, if if a top wide receiver wants to come here that's, or that's available or wants to get traded to us... I mean, I think he's just being a realist. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, whether you're a wide receiver, whether you're a running back, whether you're an offensive lineman, no matter where your position is, blocking is part of the game. And as a wide receiver, that is part of your responsibility. It's going to be obviously magnified in this offense to another degree. These guys are going to be extensions of the offensive right. line. And they're, let's not forget, wide receiver is pretty much a pre, prima donna position. I mean, when you start looking at some of the best wide receivers that are in the game, they're not known for their blocking. They're known for their no. big plays. They're known for their, you know, their big catches and their personalities and their divaness. But if that's the case, why don't you just get a bunch of tight ends? And maybe we see that. I honestly think that some of these guys, and when you start looking at some of the wide receivers that are projected to go to the Ravens in the draft, the Hakeem Butlers, you know, the Nikhil Harrys, you know, obviously Metcalf if he ever fell to us, you know, these Not are happening. these are basically smaller tight ends that are going to be big, big body. Yeah, but they're also they're receivers. also big body wide receivers that that from their talent like Metcalf. Metcalf, I said it when we saw when we saw him at the combine. Dude is fast, 
But he's going to be used in the red zone when they use him because he's going to be that corner man. He's going to be the man that you put him up in the corner and he goes up and gets it over. He's just going to he's going to be like a basketball player. He's just going to box out the defender, go up and grab the ball. Yeah, nobody's going to out muscle that guy. No, no, it's not going to happen. But my question to you is like we're you and I by no means and Brian by no means. We're not average football fans. We know the game a little bit more. The ins and outs of the game, the understanding Mm -hmm. of the game played football for a long time. So let me ask you this question. For the average fan, what is what does Harbaugh's comments tell you about this team and where they're going and what's happening? I mean, I just think that this team's going, they're obviously admitting that they're going through a big transition, that this is going to be a run-first offense. We've talked about this in weeks past. This is going to be a 60 to 65% run-heavy offense. And... It's going to be, you know, we talk about a culture change within the Orioles, you know, locker room. It's going to be a culture change within, you know, the castle at, at Raven Stadium. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Ravens facility. Already is. It's long gone are the days of 50 passes from Joe Flacco that don't end up getting us wins. And long gone are the days of, you know, pocket passing. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson struggles. We know where his deficiencies are. So he's going to have to do things with his legs, and they're going to have to have this RPO offense, this mobile offense, that's going to open up windows that wouldn't be there in a pocket-passing-style yeah. quarterback. Well, for yeah, a pocket and passing. speaking of Lamar, I mean, you were, you were talking about some of, the, some of the comments and some of the rumors, or I shouldn't say rumors, the reports that are out there with him and what he's doing this offseason. Yeah, the thing with him is, is there's a lot of immaturity things going on right now that I don't like. You know, the, the, the picture they took, you know, doing the, the 100 mile an 100 hour, mile an yeah. hour uh, even some of the, the, the Insta, I follow him on Instagram, some of this, the videos that he posts on, on Instagram, some of the people he hangs out with. It just, when you're in, you got to surround yourself with the right people. You got to, exactly. And, and I'm not saying that all the people that he hangs around with are the wrong people. I don't know these people. I just yeah. see what I see and I don't like what I see. I see some immaturity things. I think he needs to do a little You're a public up. figure. You have to remember that. And, and I, you know. I think that's maybe where you're going with this is you've got to remember who you are and people see you and some guys don't like the whole idea of, you know, you're a role model and stuff like that. But I think it I think it would be something that you would have to look at and say, look, it's fine. You want to hang out. You want to go do different things. Just you need to be careful. Like, I think we all agreed the hundred mile an hour thing. I you and I have talked about this. Brian, did you see this whole hundred mile an hour thing? I did. It was just stupid. I mean, you got to keep it, it in perspective. Stupid. He's yeah. a young kid. I was going over a hundred mile an hour when I was his age. I yeah, wasn't a professional. Public I wasn't a public You're figure. Millions of dollars. I, I completely on, agree, man. and that's it's why just... that's why I'm giving him the crap that I'm giving him because you got to be smarter than that. And you would think that the Ravens would surround him with the right personnel as far as within their organization to help guide him. To help guide him exactly. And you would think maybe somebody like a Ray Lewis, you know, a, an ambassador for the organization, might reach out and put an arm around this kid and say, "Hey, look." I think it's raining in a little bit. I think we got our answer last week. I think our answer is is RG three. They they they're investing in RG three for his mentorship, <laughs> and the fact that he can plug and play, it's a added bonus. But the one hundred percent agree. The money here is the investment for him to mentor and tr- on and off the field to really truly mentor Lamar Jackson and and what he needs to do. He's got a, kids got a lot of talent. Yeah. And I think that's what they need to work with and really need to help. 
don't waste your talent and do something that could wind up getting you in trouble. Because all these little small things, they can be signs of bigger things. Now, the one I hope not. The one good thing that we are hearing about Lamar that came out recently is that he's gone down to Florida. Yeah. And some of his wide receivers have worked their way down there and met up with him. And he's getting his work in, which I think a lot of us have been crucial on Joe Flacco in the past with we never heard about Flacco working with his wide receivers in the offseason. Not until this past year. Did we actually see, you know, some things with Joe working in the offseason? We don't know for sure what did or didn't happen. We just didn't hear about it. And we oh, always it's all rumors. We just assume Joe's that nine to five guy that he's not out there working check with in, wide check receivers. Out. Check in, check out, exactly. Collect my paycheck and go home. But we're seeing that with Lamar. So, you know, again, it's a learning curve. It's a maturity thing. He, again, the kid is like, what, twenty one years old. He's yeah. super, super young. So he's going to learn. I just hope he doesn't have to learn the hard way. I hope something stupid doesn't happen. What if he'd have got pulled over? What if he'd have got pulled over and gotten a ticket that, I mean, you're going over 100 mile an hour. That's a threat. Like, that's 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 not just a two points on your license ticket. Like, that's, you can get arrested. You can get, it's, it's reckless endangerment. Not going to say I've been down like that, that road before, but I've been close. Right. <laughs> I've been close to being You can get reckless road. endangerment for something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And who knows? What if he had a drink? What if he had a drink before he got behind the wheel? And all it takes is a, a, an officer to smell it on you. Right. And next thing, you know what I mean? So just, I'm, not saying that he did, I'm not saying he did that. I'm right. just saying what if. So I just hope, whether it's Ray Lewis, whether it's somebody, whoever, somebody said, puts their arm around this kid and says, all right, let's let's rein it in a little bit. I like let's, the, I like the, way that, the what if tie in to the, <laughs> the name of the show. That was, that was good. That was clever. I like that. I like that. Oh, man. But so there was another interview this week on um, Good Morning Football. With Matt Judon. Did you see this? Did you yeah, watch this? I, I didn't get to watch the entire thing. I just kind of read some excerpts from it. It was like 16 minutes. I watched the entire thing. Did you? Really interesting, some of his comments here. Basically, they they talked about, led right in, like, look, you you guys lost a lot of your leaders. So, and I think it was Nate Burleson that was that was kind of talking about it and saying, you know, look, you lost a lot of your leaders. What do you look to do? How are you going to look to do it? You know, when we talked to Ronnie Stanley of who's going to step up, the name that he brought up was you, Matt Judon. And Judon said, if the team follows me, I'll lead. That would be a big step for me for Judon. I, we talked about we this. We talked about this yeah. expectation. If something happened, he was in the wing. He needed to be in the wing. But we talked about last year. My one issue with Matt Judon isn't talent. I think this kid's got a lot of talent, and he can be a top pass rusher in this league, and he can absolutely lead this team with his athletic ability. It's a maturity thing with this guy. <laughs> Speaking of that. That's the problem with him. On the same interview... I got to ask you this. I'm going to say the comment, and then I'm going to ask you a question. I want a yes or no answer, and I want a yes or no answer from Brian on this. Oh, boy. He's talking about leadership, mm -hmm. and he says, no one's going to listen to someone on the bench. Dig it, Joe. Ooh. Ouch. I mean, why would you Why make that Is that, that how statement? he said it? Yeah. yeah, just how he said it. No, I, I literally watched it and typed it as I as he said it. No one's going to listen to someone on the bench. Ouch. Man. Yeah, I mean, uh, who else would that be pointing a finger That's at? what I said. My only other thought was maybe, maybe RG3? Maybe? No, I think But I felt like it was a dig at Joe. You think that's yeah, a dig at Joe? I, I think it's a dig at Joe. I think he's got too much respect for RG3 and, and everything that he's been able to do coming up through the NFL, especially when he was in his prime in, in Washington. 
you can maybe say that Joe's kind of gotten lucky with the Ravens. I mean, he had a hell of a defense, and he got lucky with that run back when he made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I, I, to me, I'm going to say yes. I think it's a dig at Joe. Yeah, really I, I, okay. I agree. Because, okay, so based then, on what be, you said. because ever since he got the contract, what has he done? What has Joe done ever since he got that big contract? Right? So then here's my question then. Is is that statement does now with we all are in agreement. It sounds like it's a dig at Joe. Immature or justified? Immature. Both. It's immature. Look, there's here's here's the thing. When you have internal things like that or internal opinions on things like that, keep that shit internal. Like yeah. there's certain things that That's why I'm asking this. That's what I'm saying. There's certain things that you can get away with saying to the media and you know, you could say, Oh, it can mean this, it can mean that, you know, you leave it in suspense. To me, those comments are pretty cut and dry that it's a dig at Joe Flacco. This goes back to exactly what I was saying just a second ago. My one problem with Matt Judon is the maturity level on and off the field. There's just certain things about this guy. Like, you know, for instance, just recently when some of these guys, some of his former teammates weren't getting re-signed and they were taking deals elsewhere, he went on social media and just started throwing all kinds of shade at the Ravens. He even went through and deleted like all his Ravens affiliated stuff on his Twitter account. Yeah. Little things like that that's like, look, bro, you you're still making millions of dollars for this organization. I get that you may have your feelings in a bunch because CJ Mosley isn't with your team anymore, and you might have your feelings in a bunch over certain buys not being here anymore. But at the end of the day, that means that you are in line to step up next and be that next face of the franchise. Right. And all you're doing is creating embarrassment around yourself by doing this. Well, and what makes it even worse to your point with that, you know, when it comes to it, he, he makes a statement that they were talking about, like, you know, what's it mean to be a Raven? And he literally made the statement it's a process to become a Raven. Right. You know, talking about guys like Suggs, like Lewis. And I think he's still in that process. I think he is, too. He needs to, you know, you come in, you learn. He, he was basically talking like you, you learn in training camp. You learn a different mentality as a Raven. But I think he still is learning what it truly means to be a Raven and back your team. Even in hard times. Even in hard times, it's backing your team and having your team's back. And that immaturity that you're talking about with some of the things he's done, the dig at Joe, while Joe's not on the team. You know, Joe did do some things for this team. Look, Joe's gone. It's gone. Why do you need to bring it up? Right. Why? It doesn't need to happen. Right. But I agree. One interesting he did, thing that he did say from the pass rush standpoint is that he expects Tim Williams and Tyus Bowser to step up. They have to. I mean, what other option do they have? I mean, you got the draft. There's a lot of deep. Right, but I'm saying right now, they haven't been able to land any kind of free agents. They apparently offered a multi-year deal to Brandon Marshall, but he didn't come. He chose uh, Oakland. I think he went to ended up going to Oakland. I can't I remember look, for I sure. Remember. But he didn't choose the Ravens. Uh, they weren't able to get um, oh, a guy that went to Indianapolis, Justin Houston. Houston. They weren't able to get Justin Houston. Clay Matthews ended up going, you know, uh, Arizona. I can't remember where he went. Um. Yeah, it's I'm in baseball mode right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, drawing a blank. <laughs> but nonetheless, some of the the pass rush options that were out there that you thought might make sense financially are are gone. So they're going to yeah. have to address the pass rush either through the draft or exactly what he said. Tim Williams and Tyus Bowser better step up to the plate, or this team's going to have zero pass rush you outside and, of you. You and I at training camp, we were impressed with what we saw with Tim Williams. Tim Williams, he's got the speed. And he, 
but the problem is it, it, it seems like he wears down quickly. Like if he's used in situational type pass rush situations, he's okay. But to be an everyday or an every down player out there, I don't know. We haven't seen enough out of him yet. Just the little bit of spurts that I've seen him play in is he seems to lose that that burst when he's on the field too much. Yeah, it's a little I think that's a little bit of training and developing, you know, developing his his uh, you know, d- duration of what he's able to do and what he's able to handle. So, it's I mean, time's going to tell. Yep. All right, Scott, it's some tourney time, and it's almost the final four. What well, is? I mean, we're here. It's the final four. My bracket's busted. Yeah, my bracket's busted. Brian, how's your bracket doing? Done. It's done. It's it's over with. It's, it's just horrible. Yeah. It's shameful. <laughs> Brackets are shattered all over America right now. Okay, we got to go with the upsets that happened here. Jesus. I guess, obviously, the biggest one, Michigan State upsets Duke 68-67. Duke for three straight games. Three straight games. Duke one plays. They came down to the final shot. And to the final point. Right. And Duke was able to save grace for two games. Weren't able to do it against Michigan State. That's a a huge upset there. I mean, obviously, CBS and NCAA are completely distraught over this because ratings are going to plummet without Duke and Zion. Zion is like that polarizing figure right now that is just bringing <laughs> in money 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 bringing in all <laughs> kinds of dough for the ncaa no he's not getting any portion no of he's bringing all kinds of money in well no longer as duke is eliminated after losing to michigan state 68 67 man yeah. that was surprising texas tech takes down this one hurt me your zags man this, this one hurt me 7569 number 3 team took them down and yeah. they Texas Tech I'll tell you what I've been watching the past few games they may be the team to beat here Texas Tech is extremely good defensively that's why I'm saying it extremely good def- defensively but did you watch the Texas Tech and Michigan game prior to this Texas Tech Gonzaga game it was a little close and I think they should, they would have liked it was not only close it was just an awful basketball game i mean well yeah good I mean, defensive they were they were two good defensive teams but I think they only scored like 20 points or something in the first half. It was awful. Oh, yeah. Between the two teams, it was horrible. We talked about that last week. It was ridiculous. Right. So I had no worries with the Zags beating Texas Tech. <laughs> Went in a little too confident, as as they must have. Didn't you have the Zags winning it all? I did. The Zags were my team. <laughs> they were my they were my team to win the bracket. Well. But how did your team do there, Scott? Yeah, I had North Carolina. <laughs> Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. But exactly. but there's one number one team that stayed alive. They snuck one out. Virginia did against yeah. Purdue, the team that got eliminated by UMBC last year in the first round. The <laughs> right. team that got was the first one to ever lose to a 16 seed. At this point, if you're Virginia, you're basically going after what happened last year. We better win the damn championship because you beat Purdue 80 to 75. I get the the, the stagger of games here was. Great basketball in the sense that these were close games. It wasn't a blowout on any way. No, in any way, I will shape, tell you the the whoever does the brackets and all that stuff, whoever puts this together, great job this they year. They got it right this year. I mean, it's been 
amazing game after amazing game. Every time I watch a game, I'm thinking, oh, that's very the, few blowouts. That's the cream of the crop. And that was the best game of the tournament. And then another game comes up and I'm like, that's the best game of the tournament. It's been a very, very entertaining tournament. But I'm to the point right now with Virginia being in the final four. I could care less who wins this thing as long as it's not Virginia. I cannot stand that kid guy <laughs> on their team. He is like that. He has that J.J. Redick uh, effect for me or that Carson, what was his name, uh, Grayson, Grayson Allen effect yeah. for me. There's something about that little kid that just irritates the piss out of me. Can't stand him. So any other team. Please win this. Don't let Virginia win this national title. Please tell us how you feel, Fred. Stand <laughs> that kid. And then we got Auburn. What did they do against Kentucky here, Fred? Auburn's kind of pulling at my heartstrings here a little bit, man. Auburn downs Kentucky 77 to 71. And this is coming on the heels of losing one of their top players to a knee injury. The we week, were watching that the game, game when before. you went down. Exactly. So for them to be able to come in and put up the kind of performance that they did with one of their best players being down and, and beating you know, one of the more historic franchises in college basketball and beating one of the greatest coaches in college basketball in, in uh, Calipari, who just, mind you, oh, is that in another? Okay, I'll leave that for you to unveil. <laughs> hush, son, hush. <laughs> but Bruce Pearl, now this guy, I mean, he's been under a lot of scrutiny throughout his career, you know, even when he was with Tennessee and all that stuff. So I can't give Bruce Pearl too much credit, but man, just the the raw emotions. If you've if you've watched any of the, the oh po his the post game interviews and stuff, like this dude really cares about what he does and really cares about his team. They're like I said, they're kind of pulling at my heartstrings. I hope I don't see it happening, but I hope Auburn can run through this thing and win a national all right, title. All right, so here's what I'm asking you then: Michigan, Texas Tech, Virginia, Auburn. Legitimately, you said you know you wish Auburn. Yeah. Legitimately, who wins it? Oh. <sighs> I'm going to go with the dark horse, not not Auburn. I'm going to go with the old adage, being a Baltimore guy, that defense wins championships. Okay. You're and going gonna, Texas Tech. I'm going to take Texas Tech. Okay. Brian, I really think Texas Tech defensively can get it done. Who you got, Brian? I got Texas Tech as well. I think their defense is, is, is just going to beat everybody down. Right. I, I honestly, yeah, Fred, I think you're right. That defense is defense wins championships, and I think Auburn or Auburn's going to take this one. My Scott? only my only thing is Virginia here, and here's oh god, look, don't do oh, it, Scott. Come on, God, I our, have I have a legitimate reason behind really. this. They are, I I have to double check this, but I saw something on Twitter today. Actually, they're the highest scoring offense in the tournament. I I can't uh, you can't deny that. Look, Texas Tech, great defense. I would love to see, and I don't know that the bracket's going to be able to. No, I think actually the bracket could work out to be a Texas Tech Virginia. That would be a great game. Yeah, yeah, that would High, that would bring best, in the ratings. Best, you know, highest scoring offense with with the the best defense. I think that'd be a great game. I I don't again. I don't know that the Virginia thing is right. If it is, I truly think that's the case. I I I, I think Virginia wins it out. They also Virginia's got something to prove after what happened last year with the UNBC. So I I think they're they've got a little bit of. Uh, the, these junior, now these seniors now, they got something they got to prove. <laughs> yeah, Bryce Jenkins shines in. Mike Dunleavy. Yeah, he's another guy I couldn't stand either. It, it's all these, like, these sharp-shooting white guys that I can't stand. <laughs> that They got that haircut, that prick haircut. 
Don't like it. Christian Leitner. He was oh. another guy. Couldn't stand that guy back in the Steve, day. I Steve still have is, my hate Christian Leitner t-shirt, yeah. man. I hate that guy. Steve <laughs> chimed in on Twitch saying, uh, I got news. If Virginia wins the next game, they win it all. I, I, I can't I can't sit there and deny that. I think uh, I think they've got something to prove this Don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. All right. <laughs> oh, man. So the brackets are busted. Scott, it's that time. Two minutes warning. <laughs> Can I get my gang signs in? I couldn't even get my fingers to cross, so I just did some <laughs> kind of like. God, I'm like that old. embarrassing, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, Scott. Man. It's the two minute warning. You are on the clock this week, my friend. And your two minute warning, it starts. Meow. Well, sources tell ESPN's Jeff Borzello that Kentucky has signed the extension. You alluded to this with John Calipari. Apparently, this deal is constructed in a way that keeps him head coach pretty much until he says, I'm ready to retire. Lifetime deal. And then he's a lifetime role as an ambassador for the university. Interesting that you don't hear this uh, more about moves like this. Uh, maybe Gary could come back and help Turge. I'm for it. I'm all for it. Hmm. Uh, the hideous sculpture at Marlins Park. It gone. It gone. It gone. Not many could stand the sculpture and felt it was way too over the top. So this offseason, the team tore it down. They've added two new. Uh, I'm sorry. They've added a two level party deck and another, another bar in the field level in left field. I like the way they think. The bar is modeled and named after a famous bar in South Beach. Many people know it called the Clevelander. Party hard, baby! At a Marlins game. The Clevelander? Yeah, exactly. Uh, The Lakers announced that they have shut down LeBron James for the rest of the season. Lakers claim that he's dealing with a groin injury. James spoke out this week saying that he would love to play but listens to the people he trusts. Hey, Lakers, uh, who did you pay to to kick LeBron in the nuts so you... uh, when you realized you were 17 and a half games back and had no shot of getting <laughs> to the finals. Uh, maybe LeBron wants to tank and get Zion. Just saying. Uh, Golf Views took to Twitter on Monday and tweeted out the shirt lineup for Twi- Tiger's Masters run. He will sport the Nike mock turtleneck short sleeves, and most likely on Sunday, he will sport the classic red and black, just as he did in 2005 when he won the green jacket. Superstition at work? Maybe. His Vegas odds are 12 to 1. Currently, Dustin Johnson, 10 to 1, and Rory McIlroy, 8 to 1, are the only ones. Wish them the best. He's been playing great, been playing loose, love it. North Carolina has been placed on a longtime women's basketball coach, Sylvia Hatchell, and her entire staff on a paid administrative leave while it conducts a review of the program. Just saying here, the investigation and the, the NCAA here has got to be like freaking out because this is either an NCAA issue or it's a, you know, you've got to have accountability. The NCAA is at the table going, Mama needs a new pair of accountability, please. (laughs) And ain't never going to have him. Nope. And in breaking news, the Orioles win in Toronto, and they hang on for dear life yet again at the last inning, two to one to go to four and one on the season. I love it. How about them O's? 
How about demos? We will be down this week at Camden Yards. Check us out. We'll be hanging out at Pickles for a little while. Pickles and Sliders. That's Look right. for Fred. Make Look sure for you come down there and say hi to us. We'll got we'll have plenty of stickers with us. Yeah. Uh, Brian will beat us down there as I'll well. Meet you. I'll meet you guys down there. That's so right. We'll head down. We'll have some fun. Uh, go check us out. Come check us out, Brian. I think you're in section 11. I think you said. Yes, I'm in section 11. Come out and uh, say hi. To there me. you go. Fred will be in 87. That's I'll be right. in 84. Not far in front of him. Uh, but make sure you check us out on all of our social media sites. Make sure you check us out on our website, www.birdlandbs.com. You can check us out there with all of our episodes. Learn about each of us. Uh, Brian, we're getting ready to get your information up there. So your little mm. mug, your mean mug up there. Uh, you want this sexy <laughs> mug up there. I don't think they, don't think they can handle we're it. We're going to put it up there. <laughs> but you can learn about it. You can just contact us. You can get your Birdland BS gear, which we sport all the time. Make sure you check it out. You can check us out on the Big Play website, on the Big Play app, and on the Twitter page, Big Play, at BigPlay.com or at BigPlay underscore com. Make sure you check it out. You can also, like I said, check us out social media at BirdlandBS. You can find us in all those places at FredBLBS, at ScottBLBS, at ITBlakeBLBS. And if you want to have your opinion heard, Ryan's been going off this week. <laughs> Mr. Shamble's been going off this week with the hashtag, that's BLBS. Use it. We'll bring it up on the show as much as we can. Uh, Ryan, sorry we didn't, weren't talking about the Terps, so I didn't bring anything up. Um, <laughs> but make sure you reach out to us as much as you want, as much as you can. And make sure you tune in every Tuesday night, 845. Thanks for tuning in, as always. For Fred, for Brian, for Scott, we appreciate you guys. See you next week. See you. See you.